Introducing Mortgage Matters. This is a great time to go buy a house. This is when the real estate fortunes are made. A show dedicated to helping you navigate the challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were put into conservatorship in 2008 and continued to dominate the mortgage market. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Brody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess... Is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live outrage. from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about, time about. for Mortgage Matters. Hey, good morning, everybody. My headphones are way up, so that sounded loud. Probably wasn't loud for you guys. Screaming in your own head. Huh? Yeah. Dang. It, wow. sounded, it sounded good, though. It was just loud. Well, happy Saturday. Here we are in the middle of July. About to start the fair, huh? What's that starts on Wednesday? Wednesday, yeah. And did you guys know that our very own Jim Richards is the voice of the fair? I knew that. Yeah, I have. Uh, well, there's multiple. There's part. multiple people that do it, right? Because you can't surely. No, you can't I can't be there the all the time. There's like thing. two. Or, there's like two or three of us that do it. Yeah, yeah. It was That's pretty fun. fun. Actually, do you really... all share the voice of the fair title, or is yeah, that just you? Well, yeah, I guess I got to share it with those two other <laughs> all right. people. <laughs> Are they colleagues here at this yes. uh, at AGM? Yeah. All right. Yeah, they are. So, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I get I, I look at it. I get paid to go to the fair. What's a better gig than that? That's pretty cool. Yeah, I feel like if I was in your spot, though, I'd be a little bit sort of like whiny about the heat if it's really hot. Because oh, if you're hot all those days in a row, mm-hmm. eh. well, they gave me preference. <laughs> they gave me preference on it. They gave me preference on Took it. Took all They're those like, evenings. Yeah. Do you want to do the evenings or the days? And I'm like, hmm. hmm I'm let me think. Evening. Yeah, I think in evenings are calling my name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But much. I got to believe for the voice of the fair that they're not sparing any expense, right? They've no. got like air conditioned. All the deep fried Snickers. <laughs> yeah, right. all the deep fried Snickers. <laughs> or whatever new deep fried thing there is. There's gonna, yeah. I, that's the new thing, right? Whatever they can deep fry. <laughs> Plus I can go into that lounge behind me. So if my voice sounds a little bit slurred later on in the evening, it's maybe because I've had... One of those oh come of those on! Probably He's not, been though. drinking uh, out of a light up boot. <laughs> no, the little <laughs> LED boot. <laughs> no, they. Tra- I, I'm, I'm respectful of that, but we have a good time. We have a really good time. Yeah. Supposed to at the fair. Yeah, that's what it's you all don't, about. You don't strike me as the drinking type, Jim. Not really. No. No. I mean, I can see you having a beer and kind of letting your hair down a little, but I don't really see you. No, like, no, I'm getting, getting crazy. I'm, no, I'm just saying that it's a lot of fun. We we get the lounge privileges and they they treat us very well right on do you get to go to any of the shows for free uh yeah i can see them all for free from the just going to the lounge yeah yeah awesome yeah there's it's all because that's that's where that balcony is right so you can go up there and and check right go in and check them out it's a lot of fun dan do you have tickets to the fair i don't i don't yet Mm -hmm. i was gonna ask jim what what uh band are you looking forward to the most this year i think florida georgia florida georgia line if i could spit the name out speaking yeah. of slurring yeah i think i think i think uh them 
But, you know, Tim McGraw and Faith Hill is going to be great. I've seen Tim McGraw. I think those tickets are free now. Yeah. Are they? No, just kidding. <laughs> Probably not. Well, that is, oddly enough, um, mm-hmm. those are the ones they keep pushing, and they're super cheap now. You can go see them mm-hmm. for like 40 bucks. Yeah, no, I I, uh, I saw Tim McGraw, and I've seen Faith Hill, but separately. So seeing them together, I think, is going to be uh, really good, hmm. actually. Cool. Yeah. I've seen them together. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, like yeah. forever ago, uh-huh. probably like fifteen years ago. Yeah, I've seen Faith Hill or more actually, probably eighteen years ago. Yeah, I saw Faith Hill about fifteen twenty years ago by herself, and um, she's a trooper. Yeah, I mean, she the show must go on with her. She was, I mean, because we were backstage at the Performing Arts Center. Uh huh. I was with K Jug, and she was she was obviously not feeling good, and she really could have canceled the show. But she came out and she did the show, and she dealt with it, and cool went you know went on with it, and um, maybe it was a few songs less than what she would have done, but uh, she I I had a lot of respect for her because she was obviously not feeling good backstage, so you know so for her to come out and actually do the show and respect the fans it was yeah I think it was great in actually. that in that line of work I don't think. Um Calling in sick is really an option. No, but lots of times they'll cancel. You know? Well, then you, you, you got, still, it's like 50,000 uh, people waiting. For you still got to come back and redo it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you true. know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like you're going to you come back to the Central Coast when you're already like off in the Bible Belt or yeah. something. Right. You, you may as well just go, yeah. you know, hit the Robitussin and get her done. <laughs> but they'll, I'm looking, they'll, at, I'm looking at the lineup right now, can. though. Uh, Florida so Georgia Line, yeah, that's Florida, cool. Florida, Florida Pitbull, Georgia. what? Pitbull. Yeah, Pitbull. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you got Dwight Yoakam, Eric Church. So yeah. it's like country. What's Pitbull? How do you classify it's that? Like pop. Uh, pop, yeah, pop, yeah, a little kind of like country, Demi country. Then there's Demi Lovato, and that's kind of popish too. Pop, poppy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Gabriel Iglesias. That's just uh-huh. comedy, right? Yeah. 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 Tim mm-hmm. and Faith, ZZ Top. ZZ Top, obviously classic rock there. Still with big beards. I've Luke seen Bryan. them. I've seen them, uh, ZZ Top. And maybe we'll, we'll use bumper music today from, from Ferox. How's that sound, there guys? There we go. I like so, uh, but um, ZZ Top puts on a phenomenal show. I've seen them a couple times. Hmm. And they put on a really, really good show. I bet. That's yeah. fun. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. The fair, mm-hmm. the fair, fair season. Yeah. I wonder what the deep fried concoction this year uh, will be. Who knows? I'm still with the Z, uh, the deep fried Twinkies, though, man. Those are oh. great. It's kind of like a glazed donut, mm. old fashioned. I don't think I've ever tried any of the deep fried things oh, from the fair. Jason, Jason, you've been missing out with the deep fried Twinkie. I'm telling oh, you. I did. I didn't try, but I saw. Yeah. Uh, like a deep fried Oreo that looked pretty yeah. like gooey good. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. just extra grease and hmm. oh, yeah. looked looked amazing. Hold on, heart, here it comes. <laughs> <laughs> if you only <laughs> ate one like... of those, you'd probably be fine. <laughs> no, I think I think you're good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I like so. to just go wander through all the things and yeah, you know, see the sham wow guy, and then that, last uh, year I got my shoes shined. One of them. <laughs> Remember that? They're yeah. like, yeah. hey, man, your shoes are looking like they could use a little refresher. Mm-hmm. And man, they popped back to life. It was pretty amazing. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> that purple jewelry cleaner stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. I got uh-huh. suckered into buying that one year. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, you know, I was, good. I was like to wonder what what fool's purchase I'm going to make that I'll regret next year. That pack of seasoning stuff that you like mix into whatever. And oh yeah, they still have some dip, and you still have some of it now. A lot of it actually. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. it turns out that you can't just throw a scoop of it in anything. Pretty much. <laughs> anyway. yeah, no, but I enjoy it. I enjoy it. It's always a lot of fun, and there's always something new. And um, I think you know, with that fair too, they they they. To me, it's like really clean, and they they really keep up on top of it. So it's it's a it's a good time. Yeah. Cool. Well, another week, Dan. Another week. Another week in the books. Pretty good week. A busy week. Very busy week. And uh, I feel like I'm happy to report the ten years behaving at two point eight three. I feel excited about that. The uh, the Dow just wants to hang around twenty five thousand. This can't really seem to go. It's been pretty quiet. I mean, there's been volatile days, but as far as has been pretty quiet. It hasn't moved a lot. Um, I I hear so much talk lately about, um, and I I doubt it's just me. You've probably been seeing it on the, you know the the talk box too, but also there's, there's a uh, starting to get covered by more and more media that there's just this like recession talk. Keep seeing about the uh, inverted yield curve that we're predicting is inevitable here, especially if the feds raise rates a couple more times and how that's almost sure to lead to a, a recession. So that's kind of an interesting thing. Can't escape the bubble talk from the real estate thing. I know we talked about that last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely a theme this week. Um, kind of crazy. Surprising to me. Honestly, surprising. I kind of wanted to... Uh, kind of wanted to rope in one of the real estate agents. I want to have a discussion about this with... With some more real estate agents, you know, I talk to the ones that I seem to always talk to, but just about the amount of properties on the market and marketing time, um, that sales price to list price ratio, you know, it's always interesting to see how those things are moving along. But yeah, so anyway, if you are a glass is half empty, we're on the verge of a recession and home values are about to tank. Let me think about that. I don't I don't see either of those things happening. I don't see the recession. I mean, all the we report on economic numbers pretty much every week here and we see strength in the job market. We see I mean, we're seeing strength pretty much everywhere. Right. Um if anything, I, I think the sentiment is that it's certain numbers are lagging a little bit from what we're what we're expecting or feeling like it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't see the recession talk now. I understand there's a potential headwind with that you know the big tariff thing that that's been um, dominating the news a little bit here. But the other than that, that that's still an an unknown. That's a a what if type of thing. But as far as actual headwinds that we know to be in place, I, I don't really see that. I mean, maybe, maybe 
lack of wage growth is a potential headwind to uh, to growth. But I don't see it leading to recession. And I'm I'm with you on the the real estate thing. I don't see bubble. I I see. I and we've been talking about this for months on end. I see a plateau potentially. But is I've, that is that tomorrow? Maybe, is that a year from now? Maybe three, three years? years. Yeah. Maybe three years. We've been talking about that. But I don't. You have to in order to see above. In my opinion, maybe it's a terminology thing. But when I think bubble, I think of a a drastic change, a pop. It's a bursting, right? We've we've seen values well, in and homes bubble, go really high, and then it's going to burst and fall down. I, I don't yeah, see I that. think the reason they call it bubble is that it it begins to swell to a painful size that just can't possibly be contained before the perfect popping happens, where it's just the opposite rapidly. I think in order for that to happen in housing, you have to have a loss of confidence in housing. And I don't see why that would occur today. So I was thinking about that this morning. Um, A little bit worried that this conversation might be stale as we continue to kind of wonder whether or not there's a, 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 a bubble or just a correction or what that looks like. And, uh, you know, I can't, I can't help but but wonder when it's coming, how deep it's coming, whether it's simply just uh, a stabilization for some period of time. And at the same time, this is, this is re- really kind of my point is, if you think back to 2005, only the people that were in the industry, like we had those conversations about mortgages, right? About that 80% the first, the 20% percent like all the, <laughs> the weird, crazy loans. And we just knew that it was going on. Um, we knew what, what potentially was at risk. Um, but at the same time, don't you believe it was hard to imagine then the shift in sentiment over like, that home buyer confidence or that homeowner confidence, that belief that real estate is almost as like dependable as gravity. Yeah. That, yeah. There's ups and downs and over, but over time it's really your best way to accumulate wealth. And so, and, and people were pretty darn sure, weren't they? Uh, we saw people um, making those, those hard money investments and uh, taking money out of their 401k. So many people were like cashing in their own homes to get $400,000 to give over to the whoever it was to financial that was going to invest and make 10% profits. You know, right? Point is, you. Re- I just want to remind everyone because now it's o- over a decade ago and we may have forgotten a little bit, but uh, we were really confident. We were so confident. And um, supply and demand was a big issue, right? In fact, we peaked building homes and we weren't, um, we still weren't satisfied at a 1.4, almost 1.4 million annualization uh, of new homes being built and all the activity, everything going on. Are, the demand still wasn't met and prices were still going crazy right up until they weren't. So we really believed in it. And so I, that's what I was, that was kind of where I arrived is like, man, have I, have I fallen into the same lane of just being so confident that what's been happening is likely to continue and that 
that and then the classic old thing um Dan's already shaking his head by the way but the classic <laughs> old thing that um you just go th- you just you tell yourself right well, this time's different it's all the, the ingredients are different it the is. players are different it the is. outcome couldn't possibly be the same and, I, and again I'm not suggesting that I buy into the bubble talk but just kind of playing devil's advocate could it possibly be that we're hitting that stress point in the market where you just are getting to that point where it's unaffordable, it's overvalued, and people are beginning to feel that and say, oh, this this is expensive, that house is junk, and I don't want to pay that much, and rates aren't great either, and maybe I think I'd- affordability is a problem, and it is going to eventually result in – a plateauing of prices. It's not normal to have a decade of double-digit appreciation in housing. That's not a normal thing. I don't think it's a healthy thing for our housing market. It it alienates well, but too many Well, six years of it buyers. was simply making us whole. Sure, I, and I get that. <laughs> I get that. It brought it back up to you know where it should be. You know, prices definitely fell far below what homes were worth. What you could even build them for, frankly. So. I do agree that some of that appreciation was just just getting the value of homes back up to what it costs to build them. And, and that makes sense. But we're still, I mean, even today, we're well beyond, at least in our area and in most of California, I would say, we're well beyond the, the pre-recession high watermark of home values. And we're still seeing 7, 8, 9% appreciation um, with unless something changes significantly with wages it's just home and, and rates continue to rise homes at these prices become less and less affordable for everyone and that's going to slow down the appreciation cycle a little bit but the biggest difference between this market and the last market was the the mortgage side the credit quality and the types of the loan terms. I think the adjustable payments and the it was just that. Everyone everyone you knew had a mortgage that did not have a fixed payment. I I can't I'm trying to look back on that time and think of all the fixed rate loans that that we saw come through our our various mortgage offices and Dan. It was less than half, definitely. At the time I was underwriting, I it was in and it could have been possibly the way that our the company that we were working for at the time was positioned, but it was rare enough. I remember about a year and a half into my underwriting career having to sit down with um the Fannie Mae guidelines finally. To look at, okay, this guy wants one of those loans that nobody makes any money off, <laughs> a 30-year fixed, and uh, okay, it's a conforming conventional loan. Um, kind of have to stop and figure out what that means. Yeah, I I can make you a short list of um, things that are very different today, and you hit on a couple of them. That fixed rate loan, I think, is a huge thing, Right. Um, when you mentioned a little while ago, cause I think you're spot on with your analysis about, um, that sentiment or that the wide perception of whether or not there's that real estate 
it became when the recession was really at its peak, it became that um, people had fully given up on real estate and there was questions as to whether it would ever come back in your lifetime. And um, now that it was hitting the full reset button, people would really proceed with caution and um, and probably rightfully so. So that perception issue, there's that is absolutely the critical piece to what's happening today. Um, but I know I know some of the things that fed perception that I know won't feed it this time. Um, number one is if you had a loan that was interest only, negatively amortizing, a balloon second, um, what am I missing? Just adjustable rate mortgages. Something where it was going to change, right? There was a your point, payment was going to go higher. It was almost like you're looking down the train tracks and you see the tunnel and there's a headlight in the tunnel and you're like, man, yeah, it could be parked. It could even be going backwards, but there's a train on my track and my payment's going to go up. My, I could possibly have a balloon. I could have to kick into an amortization. Um, that I really am unprepared for, especially if you bought a loan um, with stated income and right. couldn't even afford, barely afford the interest only component. So you're looking at that. And so, and then, you know, here's the thing about credit. Oh, oh and you didn't have to put any of your own money down. So what are you really walking away from? And then here's the thing about credit um, when you have good credit, that's cool. I'd like to keep that going. Um, if something happens to your credit, uh, get it behind you as quick as possible, whatever it is. Right. So I think that was a big thing is people were looking at that. Like you said, I have no down payment in this thing. I have a major change coming with this chain. There's a train on my track of whatever my payment's going to go to. And this thing's worth even 10 or 20% less than what I, you know, I'm using air quotes, bought it for, because you really didn't even buy it. You just signed up to, you know, take over a debt service that was totally unsustainable. Um, and then, oh, that's the perfect recipe, right? Perception. Look at that and go, I'm out. There's no, why would anybody do that? Yeah. That's stupid. Let's People get were in it only for appreciation. Yeah. And that when appreciation left the equation, then why am I sitting here with this headache, you know, people who had no time or business even being landlords owning, you know, five properties. So I think even today, even <laughs> today, if you experienced a 10% correction of value in your home, or maybe a 20, and, I, and I'm not suggesting this is going to happen, I'm just asking you to bear with me, a 20% correction in your home, um, you still have that great fixed rate. Right. That you Your qualified for changing. with full documentation. You made a down payment. You have money to lose, right? Because you made a down payment. Yep. That was your actual money that you put out. Depending on when you purchased, whether it was six years ago you or may whatever. Are, you may you have 20% equity. You still have some equity. Right. Um, so I think the ingredients are very different. Here's the other thing, too. And we would be really remiss if we didn't point this out. Go back. Take your mind all the way back to 2005, a three-bedroom home in one of the bedroom communities rented for about 1500 bucks a month, and in San Luis Obispo proper rented for 21 2200 bucks a month. A lot of money. Felt like a lot then, didn't it? 
part of the reason those liar loans were kind of attractive, they were almost the same as what the rent was. The actual amortized payment, who could afford that? It's thirty five hundred bucks a month. Right. Four grand a month. There's no way. So again, kind of gonna land soft. So I'm gonna scrap this crap deal I'm in with all all those things we just talked about. I'm just gonna go rent fifteen hundred bucks. I'll move to Los Osos. I can deal with fog and sand. So today though, let's take a tour around the county. That house in Los Osos. Um, not fifteen hundred bucks for a three bedroom. Three bedrooms on the twenty five hundred. Yeah, twenty five hundred bucks. Move move on here into slow. That might be four grand. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and by the way, when you buy the five hundred fifty thousand dollar house or the six hundred thousand dollar house, you may have a mortgage payment of thirty five hundred bucks a month. So the actual payment isn't very different from what it was today to then. But everybody had some exotic loan that w- wasn't honest right? right it wasn't keeping up it with was the gonna, debt service it had it was going to take feature. their payment from 2000 or 2500 bucks up to 4 grand because all of a sudden the rate resets or yeah. the, you know you have to start paying principal so yeah. I, I i those are the things i look at and i see that fed into that that shift in sentiment right so i wondered like i said kind of started this conversation about are we running through the stop signs are we not Paying attention. Are we not remembering that history is the best teacher? And I look at this and I'm like, you know, I just don't, I don't feel that way today. Um, I feel like we probably are due for a plateau of values. And I think many of us, especially, well, probably people that are on the sidelines wanting to buy right now would probably be pretty thrilled to see home values come down 5%. Might feel like that's their, you know, I always, I love the, um, did you, did they play double Dutch at your school (laughs) with the two jump ropes? And and the really good ones would have those heavy jump ropes with plastic things, right? And swinging them opposite each other. Um, I feel like there's people that are looking at the housing market like that, right? Like, okay, you got to jump in. How do I get in? Uh, how do I? Okay, I'm timing it. Well, look, that guy went. He did pretty good. We're all. He's good. Maybe I can do it. Um, I feel like there are some people like that that would really be confident if the market did stabilize or even correct a little bit. Um, feeling like you're getting in after. I don't. I don't remember. Uh, I I saw this thing this week about how many quarters of home price appreciation there's been and it's been a lot of quarters like Like more than the normal something something like this it's been well more than normal and it's not to say that that's the ultimate predictor but you just got to know you can't have ever increasing home values it can't do that and when you look back at history it hasn't done that no it never i i feel like the they said one of the longest runs ever was like 30 or something quarters. Basically, we're there. So this was cited as another, um, you know, nobody knows how soon or how deep, but the correction's coming. Oh, yeah, I I suppose I can agree with that. They say a good economist will only make predictions that are how much or when, but never both. So (laughs) we can do that. I'll I'll just, I'll concede something's coming. Uh, It's easy. It's going to be in... A few well, years. Well, let me ask you this. How much bubble talk was there in 2005 or 2006? 
Mm. It seemed like it just happened overnight. Dan, there was no bubble talk. I remember <laughs> some bubble talk. I remember some bubble feeling. But I also remember this. This is kind of like, um, you guys watched World Series Poker this week? Caught a few hands. No. I <laughs> watched a lot. I've been DVRing it. I love poker. I love the, there's so much about poker that's awesome. I don't want to digress too far. Um, but I just, I here's the thing. If you got, um, well, well, here's a better analogy. I'm going to throw you, you're a baseball guy. I'm going to throw you into the batter box in a big big league game tonight, right? Ooh, okay. Dodgers Angels. Okay. Here's your deal. Ready for your deal? Mm-hmm. They're going to pitch you. You're going to suit up. You're going to look just like a pro. You probably need to shave. Um, you're going to tuck your shirt in. You can choose stirrups or... Wait, wait. Am I Max Muncy or am I Cole Calhoun? You're you. Oh, oh. Dan Podesto. Whoa, okay. They're not going to have a long sheet on where you've come from, what your deal is, but here's your deal, okay? You're going to hop into the box. Heck, we might even... You could pick your spot in the lineup. You want to go clean up, ninth, lead off, wherever you want to go. Here's the deal. You touch a ball with that bat. 100 mile an hour fastball... 81 mile an hour changeup slider. I can slider. make contact. Touch it. Foul ball, anything. Just touch a ball. Million bucks. With the bat, or can I like jump in front of it? It's got to be the bat. Okay. Million bucks. Miss the ball. Fail to make contact. This dude strikes you out five years in jail. Are you getting in the box? Probably not. Really? Yeah, probably not. I've played. Wednesday night softball with you for 15 <laughs> years of three seasons a year. I've played with you for 45 seasons. I've hit you. I've seen you hit. You're not getting in the box for a million bucks? I, knock on wood, have never struck out in softball. I don't have that same confidence going against major league caliber pitching. Huh. <laughs> um, the bubble in 2005 was... The no jail time. Dan, get in the box, baby. <laughs> no no downside. No down payment. You right. don't need income. I know you don't have assets. You don't even need them, buddy. We're giving them out. They're 100% financing. Mm-hmm. They're going up 30% mm-hmm. a year. You need four of these, Dan. Get in the box. <laughs> no downside. So when you heard bubble talk... Bubble schmubble. What do you? What do I care? I'm, and especially like you're, you're like you're 40 now, right? At that time, so many of our friends were like 27. You know, if I don't get in now, I'm never getting in. I can't do it when they're 900 grand. So yeah, here I go. I'm in. Seems crazy, but sign here. I'll take my interest only loan with no down payment. So. The bubble tie, it had no, there was no real ramification. You, yeah, you had grandparents hanging out going, you guys are stupid. All out, the whole lot of you buying stuff you can't afford and getting carried away, buying all these homes. And, you know, so there's obviously some people that recognize that all those actions were silly, but I just don't think the bubble talk had much, there wasn't much traction there because there was like seemingly no downside. I guess my point is that in today's market, I still, while there's a lot of demand, lack of supp- lack of inventory really driving this market, we still have a consumer that's not willing to make um, rash decisions. I think 
you know, if something feels like it's priced well and it's affordable to them because they still have to qualify with their full tax returns and all their cards on the table, I think we still today have a a cautious, discerning buyer um, that's not willing to do something too stupid. Um, mm-hmm. That was different back in 2005, like you said. There, It felt like there was really no downside other than potentially a credit blemish, but I don't even think people were, that was even thought about this, too much. This week I had a home buyer who has been just through the process, just pulled all the way to that total edge of comfort. So I got this email on Sunday that was like, can you send us a worksheet for what it looks like if we buy the house for 460? Yeah, here you go. What about 461? Okay, here it is. Okay, 462. And I'm thinking you could really just add the 11 bucks yourself, you know. <laughs> but I didn't love them first time home buyers or here's another one. So then they came back on Tuesday and they're like, "Okay. I think we're going to go 462." Okay, get in there. Made the payment was like with their down payment, mortgage insurance, whole thing made the payment like twenty nine ninety eight sixty, and they got themselves into a situation where they were going to need to come up a little bit more to beat out another offer, and they were like, "We are not having our house payment go over three grand a month." I'm like, "Look at that! That like you said, the discerning home buyer that's really careful. They had drawn that line in the sand." And we're sticking to their guns. And so, all right, back to the market. So that there's most most home buyers, I would say, are that's a pretty good extreme. Most people will go over by a margin of yeah, ten bucks or something. Sure. Anyway, um, it's different this time, right? Does it feel different to you, Jim? Uh, I guess so. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, are we taking a break or not? Yeah, I think we need to take a break. <laughs> We're like 40 minutes into the show. Yeah. Right All right. Yeah. Well, we wasted so much time talking about the fair. No, uh, that's true. <laughs> All right. We can, waste. Do, we can do a break. No, never a waste. We can <laughs> do a break. I'll take a break. Right. Um, All right. Take some time out. Lend your ear to these sponsors who, without them, we'd have to charge you for this show. So we'll be back Morgan in just a minute. With host Dan and Jason, we'll be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. There's nothing like the euphoric feeling you get when you find the perfect home. The last thing you want is the embarrassment of discovering you don't qualify. It can actually cost you your deposit. Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543 Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California BRA number 018-39608. DBO number 6054783. MLS number 328358. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. 
For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. If you're like most investors, the constant ups and downs of the stock market have you on edge. How do you make sure you keep your gains without jumping ship too soon? At Century Financial Consultants, they have an investment strategy where your money is completely protected against market losses. You go up with the stock market, your gains locked in, and when the market goes down, you don't lose anything. Literally, you go up, never down, forwards, never backwards. Sounds too good to be true? See for yourself for free. Call Matt at Century Financial Consultants today at 805-324-7914. That's 805-324-7914. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. I just got to hop right back into it. got to ask you this. I see you reading some super nerdy books, dude. You like your Fed Reserve talk, and your, <laughs> you read about yield curves and things like this. Um, I w- Inflation now, as getting talked about this week, we had... How did the market just totally shrug off what was what was it a six year high on the inflation rate yeah, or what something did it like hit? that? Like three point four percent annualized inflation. And and how does the market just <clears throat> um just totally shrug that off and just keep on keep on keeping on 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 what is also a pretty light news week? You would like usually those kind of things, dude, well, CPI and PPI, um, consumer and price indexes. These are uh, generally primary data sources that are market moving. They tell us what's going on. Um, both of these came out and were pretty strong. Uh, leave you with a little bit of concern, yet the market this week totally shrugs them off like a complete non-issue. Well, I going back to our conversation from last week, I think the tariffs are really the the counterbalance there, right? And this week we did see another um, proposal. But the tariffs of 200 are also, billion of products. So most what the tariffs still have like an August 30 deadline or something. The new the new proposed 
two hundred billion. Yeah, it's a, it's a but, few months off. But and again, just the state, markets are always looking forward a few months. Just a state school kid over here. But <clears throat> tariffs are going to cause inflation, right? Uh, it'll cause it's yeah. I mean, it's viewed as like a well, tax on goods, but it could slow down growth. So, which would slow down inflation? Uh, okay. But I, I basically, I'm just thinking, like, if you're a, you make pinball machines, and you get those steel balls are all of a sudden 25% more or something, whatever it is. Right. But if people stop I buying, guess you're just not going to buy them. If, if the slowdown occurs in buying those pinball machines, then the pinball maker has to maybe not pass through all of their increased wholesale costs to get people he to lays still want to buy people them. Off right. So switches the neon sign for a junkie sign. I think we're back to that. There's that there's this big ball of uncertainty looming out there that's you know, yeah, normally if if you saw this jump in inflation that we've been longing for, um you would expect to see the market react to that, but you've got this other issue of uncertainty that's just kind of holding it back. So I think that's that's really it. Yeah. Otherwise, it was a fairly light news week. Um, I I think we're just in this this weird place. We're wondering what's going on. Wondering how this this all is going to end. The trade war. I didn't get a lot of sleep last night, so I feel like my thought process is a little bit slow. I feel a little <laughs> bit groggy. But remind me this too. When President Trump won, or I guess if that's the term we're using, wasn't the Dow at like 17,000? Yeah, 17, 18, something like that. It's a big push, was a big thing, right? Yeah, it was below 20. Yeah. And it, yeah, and then it moved higher. Yet it still sits at 25. And this week, I didn't hear anybody talking about how the stock market's a bubble. Is that crazy? If if these tariffs are the threat and wages and these things, GDP, all this stuff, those those port those points that you can line up for support of why sketchy ahead, um, it seems like the Dow is still very highly valued, and the bond market must just be waiting for a run. <laughs> I think, yeah. I mean, it seems to me that the whole movement in the stock market has less to do about, you know, the the future prospects of the company and more to do about the shift in the political control of the country. You know, it's like, it's like oh, well, now we're going to have Republican control of all three, um, you know, bodies here and so because of what typically you know what their policy ideas are then the stock market just had this big shift in a short period of time i think to reflect that but as far as individual companies and what their likely you know future performance is going to be that didn't i don't know that that's changed a lot i feel like the stock market only goes up because people want it to and we use the news cycle now to just make point of whatever we want so even if hillary had gotten elected we probably would have just been on this exact same everything where you're just like well yeah and the dow's at twenty five thousand because blah, whatever it, it's like that uh 
the day trader, the investor, um, everybody from the whole gamut here just believes that tomorrow, just get your get the money in because tomorrow it's going to be worth more. Maybe we do. Maybe uh, during the break, I told Dan um, that whenever there is some kind of correction. What and, and again, I'm not suggesting it's a bubble burst, but whenever a correction does happening, does happen, there's always going to have been the first murmurings, um, the 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 little noise that people were quick to dismiss. And um, but what do you? I, I guess that there's one question: is what do you do with that information wherever you are on the spectrum? And since this is a show that. I think at its core is going to fall back to something about home buyers. Um, do you buy today if you're a, a first time home buyer, uh, or do you buy today? Because I think there's there's two answers or there's two questions that need to be answered here. If I'm a first time home buyer that's not currently staked in the real estate market, do I do I buy? Do I wait? Or and the other question which we can address is if I already own a home here, do I do I put myself into the move up category and, and have the confidence to go make the purchase into the next home? I I am firmly staked in the camp that there is no bubble in housing. Um, so my answer to both is yes. Yeah, if you if you feel like you're ready to be a homeowner and stop renting and you can find a home that's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be drastically different than what you pay in rent and you're going to get comparable quality or, you know, then yeah, absolutely. Look for that home. Become a homeowner. Stop paying someone else's mortgage for them. If you're a move up buyer, certainly, why not? You're going to be selling a home at the same time you're buying a home. So, you know, you're equally staked in whatever potential market movement there was, um, maybe at a slightly higher dollar amount. But otherwise, you know, you, if the market was going to go down, you were going to feel it anyway because you're already a homeowner. Um, I, I just don't see there being some big downward movement in home values that's that's going to be you know a big thing. Nor do I think that anyone should be making home buying decisions based on the value of real estate so much. I think the... People who have done well in real estate have bought real estate based on need and cash flow. And those, as long as you have those ideas in mind, you're, you're going to be fine in the long run. Yeah, that's the thing as you were talking. I mean, I'd, I think I'd echo your sentiment perfectly. And then the other thing that just always screams in, in the back corner of my brain is that it takes 30 years to buy a house. And... Maybe not even to say to buy a house, but you got to get in, put your head down, and make 360 payments. And you might change the house once or twice in the middle. Um, you're going to find something that better suits your family or your needs. You're going to move from a two-story back to a one-story. You're going to do whatever you're going to do during that 30-year period, but um, you just keep moving towards that goal. And I think it's easy to get distracted by the 
um, investment component? Is it a prudent investment? Um, and you you make some great points. It's shelter and the people that that buy for necessity or cash flow and hold for those reasons to do well in the long term. Um, I, at the same time, um, one of the things that really I think is true for everybody that almost doesn't matter what walk of life you're from, um, paint off your home prior to retirement or getting as close to that as you can, um, might be the only way you ever even get to consider retiring. So, if you know that, if you come into this with a 30-year view, I have a 30-year window here. Um, Any time if we stop and take the temperature, there's going to be times when there's the market's peaked and there's um, unrealized equity that makes you feel really great. There's also going to be times where it feels stagnant for an extended period of time. And, well, had I just bought yesterday, you know, Instead of five years ago, I would be better off. Yeah, you could probably find those times. But again, we're looking at a 30-year view. And if you go and you smooth all that stuff out, look at the change of the value of real estate over every 30-year period in this nation's history. Um, That's the kind of thing where I get sort of worn out with the bubble talk. Now, bubble... If you're a builder and you're about to go break track on 24 units in downtown, you you might lay awake tonight. That you got a lot of there's a lot of fight right there that you got to get a lot of headwind, a lot of potential for total calamity. Given that you're hoping for a 10 percent profit if the market holds as is, mm-hmm. but when you're just talking about a home shelter for necessity on a 30 year plan, get in there. What are you waiting for? Um, the climate's actually pretty good. I do think that, you know, we know that real estate values are at near, maybe slightly above their all time high. I believe the quality of that owner now is higher than it's ever been. The other things we didn't even cite again, are the appraisal standards that are so much higher, the, the, the loan officer, um, background track, background checks, education. Cre- they check credit now on loan officers to make sure that that we're giving prudent advice because we also know how to handle our own affairs. There's so much now that has gone into cleaning up that product that if you had to look around, like if you were if you're going into war, you're looking at your platoon right now. These these guys are in shape. This is a this is a fighting squad. They made down payment. They got good credit. They fully verified their income. They're you know the loan officers, the appraisers, everybody involved in this now is pretty high caliber. Um, have a little confidence. If you were heading into battle with your 2005 squad of the hairdresser buying a fourth home this year, that would freak me out a little bit. Mm-hmm. It would make me wonder. But right now, I really I look at all those parts and I'm like, yeah, get in there. It's a great time. And we bellyache sometimes about interest, you know interest rates have shot up to four, and they're a little bit better this week, somewhere around four and five eighths or so, um, which is high, right? Because I was loving life when we were handing out three and a quarter thirty year fix. That was super sweet. And if you got one, thank you and congratulations. That was <laughs> awesome to do that with you. Um, People today look at that and they're like, holy smokes, and you bought your house for less? You're so smart. 
Okay. I really do think that in two or three years, you'll be looking back at when the rate was four and five eights and you bought the home for so little. Right. Good job. I honestly think that that's true. Um, and if it's not in two years, will it be an eight or 12 or 16? Uh, yeah. At some point you'll be looking back on man, thank God. Um, I, I share this a lot with first time home buyers. When you sit down and you're like hand shaking with that pen and you're like, I gotta, I gotta ink this deal right now. This is scary. Those first couple years are scary as you move from renter to owner and you realize all those things. Um, there's a whole bunch of emotions with it. Two years into owning a home, three years into owning a home, five years, of, you kind of like look up and go, okay, yeah, there was some sacrifice. Yeah, I was responsible for some things. I am fully aware now of all the maintenance that my house needs, things I've done, things I will do. But so relieving to know that you're, you've done all of that. So that, that kind of freaky sentiment going into it, totally normal. I, in fact, I'd be alarmed if you didn't have all of that <laughs> fear, right? Big deal. But when you're laying on your back at night in your bed, looking up, at your ceiling, realizing that your property lines up to space, that's a little chunk of earth that you own, you know? I think that's a cool thing. And I, um, so that's my thing. I do. I think if you're a first time home buyer, get your chips in. It's still a great time to go. And if you're a move up home buyer, I do, I still think it's a good time. We can talk a little bit more about that after the break. So we got a five-minute break here. Time I'm gonna go get some more coffee. See if I can shake away this fog. We got a whole nother hour here. Mortgage matters. Hope you guys will stick around. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to CentralCoastLending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your host, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. studio here i gotta admit we're all pretty sharp dressed for radio oh we look good for radio (laughs) (laughs) i like when people say you got a face for radio (laughs) i got voice recognized again this week actually you did cool don't you do those shows on pvc matter of fact i do No, they like the shows. I always get good, uh, good comments about them. Yeah, I had a call this week from a listener. It's pretty cool. His, 
you know, listens to the show when he can. You know, I understand people are busy on the weekends and got a lot of running around to do. And it's not people always have good. lives. Right. It's not all. People <laughs> have lives. Wow. But uh, yeah, he was looking for some advice, looking for advice on, you know, what to do with a property in Los Osos that was in a really killer location, a, literally a stone's throw from the, from the bay, mm. trying to figure out how to manage some debt consolidation, paying off a few, um, you know, had a first and a second, had another debt owed and trying to figure out whether doing like a cash out refi to consolidate it all was the right move or whether to sell was the right move. And, you know, it was a rental property with a lot of equity and a killer location, but it wasn't quite covering the debt service with the rents. Although admittedly it was a little, he was not charging necessarily what the market rent would be. Um, and really, I could tell, you know, had a really liked the property. Really, you know, you get that attachment to property sometimes. Um, and so it was just, it was difficult to think of the idea of, of letting it go, but it might be the right move to do that and not let it go, you know, in the sense of walking away, but in right. the sense of selling it. So, yeah, I thought that was a, um, a good example of sometimes things are just not very black and white. Yeah. You can run through all the math and no one approach seems significantly better than the other. Right. And then you kind of couple that with the fact that there's, I don't want to call it a sentimental attachment, but when you own a cool property and you're like, this is a cool property there. Cause there's, Oftentimes there's properties where you, you can, it can just be kind of benign. You know, there's nothing special about it. I like it. There's houses blocks away that I also like and houses in other cities that would feel the same to me. Um, but when there's that house where you're like, man, I would like to property. have that, yeah. like to have that for later. So there's at one point down the road, you're going to sit there and enjoy that view. I mean, mm -hmm. like you said, a, a stone's throw, to the back bay there and i i always though those properties really blow my mind when you think about coastal california real estate and the price per square foot of average waterfront when you're that close to salt water in california with those views those sunsets those views over that um the strand there with mm. the i mean it's just it's picturesque is not even a very descriptive word of it and you see some of those properties for 700 grand um move on like anywhere i was gonna say go let's go to southern california but we don't even need to go to southern california you just start at the next place where they have residential property on the coast <laughs> yeah. and go all the way to the mexican border you cannot get on the ocean i feel like the, that part is like one of the most amazingly undervalued and I'm not suggesting that it's a fantastic investment because I don't know if it's ever going to be really viewed for what it is and worth what it is, but um, great location. So I could totally see how you would get wrapped up in like not just not wanting to let to to sell that property, let it let it out of your control, right? Um, but 
yeah, so anyhow, fun to pour through and to kind of figure out the options. and Yeah, and in going through options, like you said, there was no clear best path. It really came down to there's there's three options. They all have their pros and cons, and really it comes down to you have to make a choice of what do you want to do. Um, and And I think going with the theme of the first hour of the show, as a home buyer... Um, you know, all, all, I will argue all day long that it's a fine time to buy, even if we are approaching a peak in prices and, and a, a future plateau, I, I think it's a fine time to buy, but you want to, I think you should always proceed with caution when making an investment of that size, a purchase of that size. We're talking about a 500 plus thousand dollar purchase think about it don't don't decide one day that you're interested in owning a home and get into contract the next day you know learn about the the different areas you're considering buying and look at the homes for sale take some time and watch how long these things are taking to sit on the market before they're going pending um, look at what the final sales price is in comparison to the list price understand the market and have a feel for value. I personally, when I look at real estate, I want to get to the point where I can kind of, you know, predict what it's actually going to sell for. And then I like to, you know, validate that feeling by seeing what, you know, let's look at public record when it's all said and done and see what actually, what it actually fetched on the market. And then you're in a position to make a good decision and feel good about it. Feel like you really did your homework. And yep. I, I think that's that's the key to real estate, you know? Yeah, and at the same time, too, um, I think also, especially when you're talking about properties at that price point, doing a little bit of education, too, about financing options and the best ways to go. Um, you can do a jumbo loan. You could do a super conforming loan. You can do a conforming loan with a second uh, there's a lot of different options. And then as you kind of go down that that rabbit hole of figuring out what the best thing to do, um, you know, oftentimes that leads way to whether or not it makes sense to liquidate an investment, take a loan against a 401k, cash in some Roth IRA. There's all those little moving parts. And um, it it does, it makes a lot of sense to be able to sit down and have the the loan stuff nailed down where you feel like you have your arms around that price point, those options really well. And then like you said, um, crash course, you got to become a student of the market. Uh, I, I feel like, um, I'm always trying to do that anyway, just in, in majority of my expertise now, I'm pretty darn good at predicting value up in North County, especially like refi clients will come in and say, well, I'm expecting my house to appraise. This happened recently. Oh, probably about 590 or so. And I was like, mm, 720? Kind of got the eye roll. You're crazy. No, that's, I, I think probably, yeah, that's, you know. Anyhow, when you're looking at it day in and day out and you, you have that, idea of a really good idea of what what kind of the the mid value is and then being able to look at a property on its location and then 
the size, bedroom count, whatever, to be able to say, oh, that's going to be north of that average or south of that average for these reasons. And I, I do. I think most first-time home buyers now and most home buyers today, I should say, have gotten pretty good at that. Um, There's a lot of tools available. That's what I was going to say. Technology has really filled yeah. in a lot of those gaps, right? Definitely. Able to do those searches now and even like – even Zillow, which I don't love, but in the quiver of tools, there's enough information that Zillow aggregates where you can get together and you can kind of become the pro. The thing you used to have to rely completely on your realtor or your lender for, you can get dangerously good at today. And it's not like quoting WebMD to your doctor. I mean, it can be, but... Um, really, you can just you can start to understand the relationships and things, especially when it comes down to what comparable homes in the market are. Um, what a day for availability of information and technology. Um, when we were, I'd love now. When I was over in Hawaii, I did this too, but you could do it here. Um, you can actually find their apps now that will just show you homes for sale. So if you're like in a neighborhood where you're like, this is a cool neighborhood, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you have lunch at Lincoln Deli and you're like, I kind of like this part of town. What's around here? You can just pull up listings that will just be right there in, in the little neighborhood that you can just go cruise to. How cool. You used yeah. to have to go track down a real estate broker, find the guy because he had a book in his back pocket that was, you know. Had all the info, and all you needed was just to get on his good side. Um, so different today, and I love that. It seems like a, a great time in technology. The availability of information is just better than ever before. My new favorite app is Realtor, Realtor.com. They have an, a good app that, you know, for the longest time we complained about Zillow and their information not always being up to date and accurate um and and we always wondered you know realtor.com should why don't they have an app like zillow because they've got all the information and it's always up to date you know it's they're they are the mls basically so why don't why don't they have a zillow app and now they do and it's great um I'll have to check that out. Yeah, it's cool. It does all the same things. You know, you could put all the filters on that you want to to zero in on the type of property you're interested in. And it's it's the same thing, but I just have more um, faith in what the accurate, that the information I'm seeing there is accurate information. That's the problem with Zillow is that it's got good data gathering on the front end, right? So it knows about everything that's tossed into the market. But what it lacks is that component that recognizes a status change, like this property was sold, so it's off the market now. Um, So it like will publish this data. Like there are three homes just like this one for sale. And you look at them, you're like, it's a great price. And you click it and it's like it's listed. And you're like, whoa, no way. How's this place still available? And then you come to find out, well, it's Sold because it's not. <laughs> and Zillow is awful at having that data on the back end. It's just very frustrating. Um, as long as we're going to talk technology for a minute, um, I guess directed at the home buyer crowd, we might as well talk a little bit about how you look at homes. Um, 
any realtor today has like their own link to their back door into the MLS, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's, I, I want to say, there's probably not much exception to this. Um, you don't need to go to Patterson, Remax, uh, you know, you name it, right? Go to five different real estate companies a day or three different real estate brokers. Um, you know, used to seeing so-and-so's name on a lot of signs. So I should probably go to his website and see what he has listed for sale. Um, some of them will have their featured listings component of their webpage, which really are their listings or their firm's listings. But wouldn't they be crazy if they didn't have an offering to you of everything there is. Right. Um, so they do. And when you're looking at most of these realtors' websites now, they're using the um, all the same, same method to gain your access into that MLS. So it's real-time data. And um, so you don't need to check more and more and more of them. Um, basically find one that you like the look, you like the format, maybe even with the realtor that you believe that you're going to work with. Um, I would not for anybody that's like, like you said, Dan study, become a student of the market. If you think you're in a path of, you know, I live in Los Osos and I've always kind of wanted to go to Cayucas. I don't know if that's tomorrow or in five years, but I see myself moving to Cayucas. Okay. Set up some searches. Then you can go set up auto search parameters for Cayucas. That'll be, what are you after? I need at least a two bedroom, at least a two bathroom, um, and I'd probably be willing to spend up to six hundred grand. Oh, it's pie in the sky. Let's go seven hundred. Boom, send that out, and then you just have this search working where you start getting some emails. Hey, a new listing matches your criteria. Cool, mm-hmm. check it out. Oh, look at that carpet. You know, the roof sagging. No wonder this place is only five hundred ninety k. And you're not going to buy it. Probably there's very little interest in buying it. Gained a little bit of insight as to what's there, what's the price point, what's the condition. So the more you start to see those things. And Cayuga is not a great example because it's a really low-volume market. But um, when you're looking in, you know, whatever city it is on the Central Coast or really anywhere for that amount, just seeing what's flying past, you know, what's – what can you see out the windshield? What what are the deals? What are the properties? How much is a bedroom or a bathroom seem to be worth? Price per square foot, days on market. Um, still, the this like we were talking just a minute ago. This idea or this age of information and technology is unreal. If you venture over to like you know Keith Bird's site and look, you can see easily see list price to sales price, you know? Oh, homes in San Luis Obispo sold for 99.9% of their list price. Uh, Okay, educated buyer. That means if you're going to write an offer and you hope to be successful, just writing one for 450 because it was listed for 500 and everyone wants a deal is not a good strategy. It's not, you're not even in the wheelhouse of possible. Um if it's listed for 500, maybe you should write for 480 and hope to land at 490. You would be better than the trend, right? So that mm-hmm. just being able to see all that stuff is so powerful. There's so much value there. Um, and then 
you're just you're you're better off when you finally get in the mix. You can have a lot more confidence. And this is the part where I always tell people um, get pre-approved, start those searches, start becoming a student of the real estate economy in the area that you're looking, and then at the same time with the pre-approval, we'll do some budgeting stuff. We'll we'll have some savings. Um, you know, and maybe you already have enough savings. Otherwise you'll come out with savings goal. We can look at your credit, um, get your credit cleaned up or just, or just beef it up with a couple of extra trades. Sometimes you need to focus on paying off one credit card or paying down a credit card or getting an auto loan paid off. There's always generally always something you could be working on. So, even if you don't have an overnight plan, getting pre-approved and beginning to study the market, really smart. Uh, and I would just suggest that uh, everybody should really be doing that if you have an interest in buying real estate in the next probably two to five years. Get your get your act together where you know what you're working towards, what you're working after. You're only going to be so much better at it. When I can. Imagine if you had two years to study up on the real estate market in Los Osos, if you watched all the listings and sales and the ones that you were like, ooh, if my credit was already at 680, I would probably want to go look at this house. So you throw yourself a little note, hey, check back in a month and see what that thing sold for because I probably would offer 520 for it. It's listed for 530. And then a month later, you go back and you look and it's like, oh, dude, it sold for 520 perfect you know or whoa that went for 550 thought it was a good deal or whatever but you could just you could start to track them you have so much more time it's so much better than just popping into the market you see a sign in a yard on a saturday oh i love this house and i didn't even think i was in the market to buy a home now you're writing an offer and then on tuesday you're trying to find a lender and you're getting whatever you get in terms of the rate the fees the service um, dealing with the credit that you have instead of getting yourself in a better spot, it would shock you all to know how often that's the case. It's so often the case, and it blows my mind. If you're about to invest five hundred grand and you're nervous about the bubble and you're nervous about this, you're nervous about taking on a bigger payment, all those things, do your homework. Have a plan. Be prepared Work on your credit. Get your budget in order. Make sure you have the right savings approach. All those things matter so much. I don't hear people, you know, all whining about all that. Well, I really want to buy a house, but I just don't have the the time or ability. There's no one around to help teach me. Um, it's just always people are just like complaining about the inventory or complaining about over overpriced things, whatever, and then racing in and doing something rash. Yeah. I don't think it takes that long when you're zeroed in on a certain market like say los osos or wherever when you're zeroed in in a community and looking at some of the sales history it doesn't take that long to start to get a good feel for value you know because you can see in those those um you know property profiles on zillow or realtor.com you could see what it was listed for what it sold for the days on market um, and when you start to put those pieces of information together and you can look at this history of sales all on, you know, one screen at, you know, in one evening, you do that for a few weeks, a month, 
you'll you'll start to have a pretty good feel of value um and and be able to go buy a new listing and say oh yeah that that makes sense that that one's listed at 550 because it is a little updated and it does have that great curb appeal whereas this one that was 500 kind of lacked some of those things but but you know otherwise square you know the the numbers kind of match is three bedroom two bath 1400 square feet but right. just the condition was a little different so i see why there's a difference there it doesn't take long it doesn't no. take that much time. You can do it when it's convenient for you. It really doesn't take too much time. And you know who else should be doing this? Sellers. So often people are like, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm ready to sell my house for whatever reason, right? Moving to Oregon. I'm ready to sell my house. I need a realtor. So you're smart, right? You know better. So you get three realtors come sit down at the kitchen table, give you their listing presentation and tell you what they're going to do. Um, make a recommendation for you about what they think your home would list for and why. And then they're going to defer a little bit to you, but they also want you to trust their expertise. How much better would you be at that if you had just spent three months studying your market? Every now and again, I'll see a place in a Tascadero where um, somebody lists a home and it's like a a broker, like the the realtor works in Los Osos, and now they're listing in whatever part of Santa Margarita or Atascadero, where it's like you. I honestly really don't think you have any idea what you're doing here in our market, and it's clear by your list price. And so they come firing on. Oh, here's this house, and they price it like it's an Atascadero house. But it's in South Atascadero, in that really desirable part of South Atascadero, maybe even in Garden Farms, where there's just a premium. We don't even know how to comp for it because there's so little activity. But you take the exact same home and move it from North Atascadero in parts to a South Atascadero in a desirable part and change the value by hundred grand for the exact same house. So we'll see somebody show up from out of area or just not very skilled plunk a house onto the market in that part of town and you're like thanks bud that's going to sell in two days and it's going to sell at full price to you your poor seller you know it's probably like in-laws or your whatever some some relative there because you used an out of area broker that doesn't obviously doesn't know what they're doing and boom you see it two days later that thing's pending 30 days later, it's sold at full price, and it's like, I knew it. Those, like you were saying, doesn't take long. You can learn that stuff in a few months, um, probably less if you really had to, but the broader the view, the better. If you know you need to sell a house next summer or the following year, or you have aging parents and you know that at some point they're going to move into a, you know, some other type of housing situation, or you're going to inherit this. It's not too early to begin just understanding the market. Those, um, you know, if I was handing you 700 grand, like I said, I'm going to give you 700 grand in January. Um, don't you think you'd start trying to figure out what your game plan is going to be with it? Sure. Yeah, I want to know where is this going? Am I going to be taxed on it? Does it do what? 
all these things, all the where, what are what are the ins and outs of all the different things? You'd probably poll a couple professionals. You'd get, you know, you'd look for some advice. And um, oftentimes, I just think people fail to do that, which is surprising to me in this age of information and technology. Are we ready for brick time? I think so. Jim's all queued up over there. I'm all them. queued up. I got a I got a bumper music to bring us back from. You do, yeah. Is it country? Uh, no, I wouldn't say it's country. No, no, it's more popish and like seventies popish. Casey and the Sunshine Band. I don't know. All right, well, can't wait. All right, guys, we do a quick commercial break here. We'll be back in just a couple minutes with more mortgage matters. To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KBEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Linen. The most critical part of buying a home is getting pre-approved for a mortgage. Pre-approved buyers are taken more seriously, enjoy a less stressful transaction, and close faster with no last-minute surprises. Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543 Loans. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California BRA number 018-396-08. DBO number 605-4783. MLS number 328-358. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. If you're like most investors, the constant ups and downs of the stock market have you on edge. How do you make sure you keep your gains without jumping ship too soon? At Century Financial Consultants, they have an investment strategy where your money is completely protected against market losses. You go up with the stock market, your gains locked in, and when the market goes down, you don't lose anything. Literally, you go up, never down, forwards, never backwards. Sounds too good to be true? See for yourself for free. Call Matt at Century Financial Consultants today at 805-324-7914. That's 805-324-7914. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason.
another fair band? <laughs> Casey and the Sunshine Band, man. They're still out there. All right. We get the fair this year. That's the way. Sorry to put that song in your head, everybody out there. Yeah. And it's going to be stuck there yeah. for the rest of the day, most likely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, no, they are there at the fair this year. On the free stage? No, I don't know. I think no. They're like the wine events night. Yeah, uh, the yeah. wine and I think so. The the wine of wine, wine and weed. Is that yeah. what it is this <laughs> year? Wine and weed. Probably. <laughs> it's, been, it's been some like um, some. Uh, what you don't want to talk about? Dan's looking at me. You don't want to talk about weed? It's like weed. I saw uh, on some of the local news that there's like some weed stores opening up. Grover has three of them. Santa Barbara's got three. They Ooh. interviewed this lady. I just I couldn't help but chuckle. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter where you are on the spectrum yeah. of whether or not you think it should be there, um, should be legal, whatever. But they was interviewing this lady, like looking for some feedback. You know, well, I don't think they should have let it. Three's too many. Mm-hmm. That much competition, they're going to fail. Hmm. Maybe that's the whole idea. So you're you're <laughs> a naysayer. Know. You yeah. don't want the three marijuana stores in town because you're fearful that it's too much market saturation for the business owner to succeed. <laughs> We're concerned about the business owner. Okay. Welcome to have a healthy profit okay. margin. Yeah. <laughs> um, Interesting. Anyway. <laughs> the, so yeah, probably you know the. Feels like weeds everywhere now. Yeah, it is. Um, you know where it's not in mortgage transactions. Correct. You cannot use money generated from the weed industry no. in the mortgage world. And this is maybe a bit of a stretch here, but it's taking me to something I learned this week about a source of funds that's relatively new to the market as well, and that's that digital currency, that Bitcoin stuff. And that I learned, it, there is starting to be a little bit of appetite in the mortgage world for it's catching Bitcoin. on. It's catching on a little bit, um, and it, it's interesting. Um, is it kind of because it's um, not legal on a federal level? Well, yep. yeah. So the money is not legal money. Basically, I mean, it seemed. Wait, are you guys talking about weed or Bitcoin? Yeah, I was just going to ask you to clarify. On the marijuana. Yeah, on marijuana, that's the rub, is that it's federally illegal. And so. So you can't use a banking, you can't use like your own spark. So you can't, well, and so those companies that derive their revenue from anything cannabis related have real banking problems. And this is also, unfortunately, this is one of the things that spurs on. The criminal activity around it is that you got to know that the guy that owns the dispensary or the mobile delivery company or the is involved in the cultivation, all those people that are doing that as a successful business, they're stacked with cash. They have money laundering problems because they can't just have a bank where they can put their money into the bank because the banks won't deal with you as long as it's federally illegal. So that's the basis of why we can't do it in the mortgage world. And just to be really clear about this, um, 
And again, it doesn't matter where on the spectrum you fall in terms of support or not. Uh, if your income relies on any way from somebody in uh, the cannabis industry, you are out. We had lawyers. Those funds are out. Yeah. Yeah. Those funds are out. Well, and if you're if your income and that income's out, yeah, yeah. So we had lawyers that represent their practice was helping individuals and companies who were trying to incorporate and structure and comply with California state laws to run their uh, businesses appropriately to what was required can't get a loan if your law firm even if that's only part of what your practice does you're like blacklisted because you're affiliated with that industry Hmm. so i expect that probably changes over time um in fact i never really know how to separate out the rumor mill um of the feds are finally looking at it the fda is finally looking at it they're gonna move it from schedule one um I don't know. Do you I, think it takes a change at the federal level for it to start to be okay, um, you know, from a, a lending standpoint? Yeah. I think the minute that it's okay, um, that you'll see it kind of flush through. And, and overnight, we'll see that it becomes just like any other legitimate income source. Um, but that's the deal. No banks want to participate in that. They could be seized for... Um, and by the way, same thing. I was I was questioning whether or not we could wade through this with any success at all on the show. But I read a really interesting this piece uh, piece this week about um, loans in the United States for um, DACA. Immigration's been in the headlines a lot lately, right? Um, and so basically, was broken out by loan program type. And essentially, somebody that is here on that deferred action status cannot get a loan. Hmm. Kind of surprised me that I hadn't seen it come up in my career because I've looked at a lot of loans. And being in California for all these years and a lender in California, I felt like I would have come across this from time to time, but just hadn't. So it was kind of fascinating reading. But um, citing, you know, it's just some of the rules at the federal level. Um, that govern HUD, and then as it all trickles down, the only exception to the rule, which I thought was kind of fascinating, was VA. Hmm. VA would actually do a loan for somebody that had DACA status. However, it like begs the question of, um, well, how did you get through the armed services without being a citizen too? And I, and and maybe, which seems bizarrely ironic to me. That if you're not a citizen, that you could go join, say, the Navy right. and go do your time in the service and still not – you could go defend a country that you don't have citizenship for, even only um, – And that, which makes – you know, I was wondering how easy is, is it to even know if someone is of that status, do those folks have the individual tax identification numbers, the ITINs? Right. And if so, I mean, we have people who would apply for loan with that. They don't have a social security number. They have an an ITIN, an individual taxpayer identification number. And, you know, there are some rules about how they can get financed. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So if, yeah, and if we know that those people have that, could would we ever know that they're of the, the or DACA foreign status? nationals? Right. Yeah, I think it depends on how you present, and maybe that maybe that's the difference is that these people um, that are in those statuses are a little schooled up on how they present because sometimes you just can't buy a primary residence. Okay, you like, you need to. You buy a vacation home because your citizenship's from another country, though we see that you have American tax returns. So you're at least you have American credit and tax returns shows us that you're going to fit into the hole. So based on your status and and I do, I think the lending has always tried to be relatively up the middle on that of mm-hmm. what you need to provide, you know, which which forms will work for you. Um, but anyhow, it, just kind of interesting but I kind of thought the same, almost the same thing as the cannabis thing is that as long as there's these federal issues, these loan programs are are addressing these things on a federal level. HUD is a federal agency. Um, then you've got down to the state of California, the state of California trying to do things differently, um, kind of running into some of those issues. I did hear, though, on the topic of that weed thing, I heard that... Los Angeles is considering backing their own bank to do a loophole around. Right. Is it going to create, I mean, maybe that's the path to legitimizing that money is to have a, an industry that a, a banking industry that focuses solely on that type of money. And then when it's proved to be reliable and, you know, a make sense type of, of business, then you might see those institutions get merged into the bigger banks and that and maybe it coincides with federal legislation as well but it'll be interesting to watch that move forward the bitcoin thing now correct me if i'm wrong but bitcoin isn't you know the, you can't park your bitcoin money at a at a banking institution either right that there's special places or exchanges where that money's held there's different ways that um almost sort of answer your question like I heard it a little bit differently. Yeah, you can't just go have a Bitcoin like in your Bank of America checking account. Right. Um, if, if though, that you were, and I do believe that there are some exchanges now where you, or um, like mutual funds that will have some holding. So you could technically have some of those things in a broader portfolio. But my experience has generally been people with Bitcoins have them in like an e-bank, in like an e-wallet, and it's mm-hmm. a whole nother strange thing. So, and that's the rub is that um, in it's order hard to, to document, it's hard to document, and in order to be able to have those work in a loan transaction, you have to be able to put them into a liquid form that ultimately drops them into a bank account. So, whatever you need to do on your end to convert that to U.S. dollars and land them in a Chase account or a Bank of America account or a Pacific Premier account, whatever it is that account that you use that we're going to let you put that money from there into escrow when you can get your bitcoin and usually you know the the geeky tech dude it's like well whatever you need to do i, I don't know i don't have any bitcoins <laughs> i never mind any I, I don't even have a fancy computer like that but whatever you need to do on your side to get that money down into something that transfers over into dollars and then if you can document that along the way, it'll be okay. Yeah. Ideally, what you do with that is you liquidate it more than 60 days prior to 
you know, engaging in a real estate transaction. And then there's no real burden of proof of where that money came from. But, you know, we ran into a client this week where they have over $100,000 in their e-wallet. I mean, it's, it's sitting on their hard drive. And this wasn't money where... This isn't Bitcoin where, you know, they took money from their savings account and invested it in Bitcoin, you know, just based on the fluctuation of value and then liquidated. This is a guy who actually mined Bitcoin. He and the best I can describe it is he created Bitcoin out of thin air, right? Sure. <laughs> he mined Bitcoin and has accumulated Bitcoin on his hard drive in his e-world somewhere and uh and is now taking it to an exchange and liquidating it and it was running into a lot of problems of uh, a lender being willing to accept those funds for down payment and or closing costs and or reserves for the loan program because this was a jumbo loan um but you know he was having a really difficult time and called me in a panic you know today's the day i my loan contingencies up on my purchase and my my mortgage broker today told me that you know these funds aren't going to be allowed and they're necessary and i have them and you know i don't understand why and so i did some investigation and found that the appetite is very mixed and if you know if you're the kind of person that you know i've always banked with wells fargo and i'm going to do my loan at wells fargo cuz they know me um, you might run into the problem where, yeah, they know you, but they're not going to be willing to accept your Bitcoin money for down payment on a purchase transaction. Um, there are investors that do allow it. There is a, a burden of proof. You have to prove that you're the owner of it. And you have to prove that you've liquidated it and converted it into U.S. dollars. Um, and as long as you can do that, it can be used. And that's whether it's money that you took from cash to Bitcoin investment back to cash or whether you mined it and are converting it to cash. You can use those funds, but it's going to take a lender that has that appetite. And they're few and far between. Um, for now. For now. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder. Well, for now, there are lenders that are few and far between. But also for now, it's an acceptable um, <laughs> right. asset, right? Like I always feel like... You know, and, and obviously there's people that would laugh at me and say, oh, you're so silly. Bitcoins are the future. And, you know, you'll be you'll be sad when the dollar collapses and the Bitcoin people rule the world. Um, and to that, I say, I believe you're probably right. I will be upset. But uh, I also kind of worry that it's a pretty bizarre fiat currency that might not survive. Well, Bitcoin kind of came about to facilitate illegal transactions, yeah, right? Nefarious activities. Yeah. So <laughs> I think that's where the negative connotation really came from was its origins. Its origins were not of yeah. the best intent. And, right. um, you know, now it's becoming, it's trying to go mainstream. Which ironically, though... If the government was really trying to do a better job at controlling crime through the tracking of money um, and, and not only control crime or prevent crime, prosecute crime, but also get people to pay their fair taxes, digital currency would really be the way to roll. We could see every dollar that trades hands for everything in the um you know, you'd, you'd end up having to get back to just trading goods and services to people to be out of the eye of the government. So 
uh, I probably fast forward 20 years from now, the government probably takes hold of this whole electronic currency thing, gets a heck of a lot better at doing that just to remove the paper money out of here just to make it easier to govern us. I still don't understand the difference between... I mean, how many people are carrying a lot of cash around? Most people are using a credit card or, a, a, you know, exchanging, you know, collecting debts with a Venmo or, you know, it's all digital anyway. I don't know, man. Already. A lot of it. I don't know. I'll challenge you this week as you're out and about. Keep your head on a swivel. Um there's lots of people that are dealing in cash in terms of like um, getting your hair cut, little, you know, farmer's market is probably almost credit all card. cash. Yeah, that's true. Uh, there's so Although many. Although every, all those little vendors, you go are to using the festivals, swiper thing they have now. the square or whatever. I know. Yeah. I think there's, there is a lot of cash that happens and. And probably also not just cash, but checks. There's still a fair amount of that. Checks? Yeah. I always kind of I wrote like, one yesterday. I pause. Uh, I write checks, too. <laughs> My but favorite like, thing to do. Out the, and about writing checks is weird. I, As you know me well enough to know that I'm a little bit of a goofball. And whenever I'm at a grocery store and there's a long line or it's like taking too long. In and then front you of me, see the person I'll, who's I'll, writing I'll, a check. And you're like, I'll just really? like from three people back. I'm like, what's going on? Is somebody <laughs> writing a check up there? Is there? Is that, what is happening? It's weird, right? Look, look, you just. You just open up the app and you just bump your phone on that little bump. Boom, right there. And we're all checking out a lot faster than you. Get one of these little three by five inch little plastic thingies, the credit cards. Yeah. Those are, yeah. And you're racking up your airline miles too. You're not getting anything for writing that check, lady. You're just, it's taking a long time. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how we adapt and evolve in terms of the currency. I keep waiting to see, you know, as we're going to get rid of coins. I like coins. I have a coin collection, by the way. You do? A big one. Are they all organized like heads up? Oh, I have these cool books that have like... Pop them in there? Yeah, pop them in there. So I've got the right year with the right, you know, location of where it was minted and all that stuff. That's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, I I, um, I have a coin collection too. Like that, I got this like yeah. mason jar in my closet. Yeah, that's where mine starts, but then it gets full, and then I have to. I throw my coins in it. there. Well, see, I thought that was ha- I thought that would happen for me, um, but my I get taxed. My coin jar right. gets taxed. You have now. you have little hands working yes. through it, right? Yeah. Yes, <laughs> and I know. I haven't like laid down the law. I could stop the behavior if I needed to, <laughs> but I but I know it's like you know they're taking snack money for like nu- nutrition break at school to go get whatever. Go get something nutritious. Cheez Its, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The the ho hos that we're not putting in their lunch. That's why the Twix bars or whatever candy they like at the time. Right. Yeah. In fact, I. Gonna ditch this orange and swap in the Twinkie. When I do get out to like Vegas or Chumash or whatever, I love to play blackjack. I am bizarrely lucky and I really enjoy it, right? So I I do pretty well at it. I always save the 50 cent pieces that I get from having blackjack. Mm. I never spend them. I put them in my pocket. I bring them home. 
and I put them in my jar. Like and you would too. think that that thing would be so. I mean, I'm I've probably put a thousand dollars worth of those in this jar, and I guarantee you there is not one in there <laughs> yeah. this morning. Yeah, I like the fifty cent pieces, the silver dollars, and oh, the two dollar bills. But you want to know what? Those are cool. My kids won't take the pennies. Hmm. So the jar yeah. is like. All in a f- constant state of just getting pillaged, but the pennies' growth is just slow and steady. Well, they may be thinking, you know, maybe Dad needs some change once in a while. We'll let him have the the crumbs here, as Nancy I really would like to say. I really Little doubt that. Pennies. And now I think the quarters are super cool because they have all the states and all the territories. Now they're doing like yeah. other landmarks and things on the back of the quarters. Yeah. I always feel like I should pay closer attention to coins when I see a story about somebody who, like, bought a Slurpee and was given change that was some wheat back penny worth 10 grand or something. like, what? Yeah. I didn't even know that was – I would have been checking my pennies had I known I could get $10,000. I I do like to pay for little things in cash just because I feel like I'm not only buying the item that I'm buying, but I'm also buying coins. Mm -hmm. Where? It feels neat. Yeah, maybe once something cool. Once there. in a while, I get a silver silver certificate. And stuff oh, like that. That's really? Cool too. Yeah. Uh, those are worth a lot more than face value. Oh yeah, I have a few of those. What those is that? Back when back when money was actually backed by something of tangible value. You have one in your wallet? No, I don't. Oh. Really? Okay, see. Where it says Federal Reserve note here right. at the top, it it'll say silver, silver certificate. Because it was actually backed by silver. Oh, silver. Or yeah. if you're lucky enough to have a gold certificate. Yeah. Whew. They make and it was I backed think by they, gold. So it's like a dollar that just says that on it? Yeah. yeah. Instead of saying five. Federal Reserve note, that, and those that are, money is backed by the faith of the Federal Reserve. Yeah. And someone would just give you that back as change one day? I couldn't imagine that slipping through, I've but man, if it did, yeah. don't, really? don't respend that thing. Or especially wow. not if it's a five dollar one. Yeah, I have a few five dollar ones. ones too. Then you're really looking at something. There's some one dollar ones I've gotten recently, actually. I have really, no mm-hmm. man. Yeah. Do you want to get rid of them? No. <laughs> Well, as a matter of fact, I I got a few bucks in my pocket. I'll just trade you. Everybody has a price. I think Dan and I are kind of in the numismatics. Uh, If I can get my mouth working this morning, it'd be great. (laughs) But I got to do that before the fair. That's for sure. Two minutes right here, by the way. All right. Mm. Wow. That means the weekend's about to begin for us. Right. You're going fishing. I think so. Gonna be singing some Casey and the Sunshine Band out on the boat in the middle of the cloud. Oh, I have a feeling. Yeah, <laughs> that's the way I like it. That's the that's way. way. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> I like it. Do I, have, I don't have that loaded anymore. Darn it! I don't have Casey. Oh, that's gonna be great. Loaded. I already shut that down. Hmm. Well, it's getting um, to be about that time. We appreciate you tuning in to another live edition of Mortgage Matters. We hope you enjoyed the uh, the talk today. Just trying to clue you into what the industry people are talking about this past week. Um, you know, little bubble talk, a little bit yeah. of softness potentially. And when you're at the water cooler on Monday and this stuff starts, you can at least have some some ammo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, we're here. We're representing our business, which is Central Coast Lending. We 
love to help buyers of all kinds, first-time buyers, help planning that first home purchase. You know, it can be scary, and you need to have someone who can help walk you through that process. Experienced buyers, we know you know what you're doing, and you just need to try to get a good deal and get a great loan program for you. We've got that also. Um, you can start, check, uh, you know, go to our website. You can learn a little bit about loan programs, learn a little bit about the, what's going on in the industry. You can even start the loan process online, online loan application on the website, centralcoastlending.com. It's secure, it's easy, it's free. It only takes about 10 minutes. Um, let us know how we can help you. Give us a call this week during uh, normal business hours. The number to ring all of our offices is 805-543-LOAN. That's 805-543-5626. We'll be back next week with more Mortgage Matters. Have a great weekend.